Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast, which we are all extremely excited to announce is now brought to you by the fine people at my bookie. We've been teasing this for a week or so, but now we can officially make that announcement. And I am personally very excited about this new partnership because I have been using my bookie to wager on college football for years now. And I've experimented with all of them, guys. If it's a sports book out there, trust me, I've tried it. And I can tell you without reservation, that from my very extensive personal experience with these things, my bookie is the best in the business. Just trust me on that. And I know some of you are probably sitting there right now thinking, okay, whatever, new sponsor, who cares? I get that, I do. But here's why you should care. Because the good people at my bookie are doing you guys a solid. They are offering listeners of the Glory UGA podcast an exclusive promotion from right now through the entire month of September. And man, this is one hell of an offer. My bookie is offering all of our listeners here at Glory UGA a chance to double your initial deposit by simply using the promo code UGA when you sign up for a new account on my bookie. You simply are not going to find a better promo deal anywhere, guys. You're just not. And it's so simple. A $100 deposit, for example, puts $200 in your account to bet on whatever game, whatever contest, whatever prop you want. And as a gambling man myself, you guys know how I roll on these things. What I love most about MyBookie are the variety of options they have for you when it comes to placing your wagers. Obviously, of course, they have straight bets against the spread, but they have so much more than that. I'm partial to a nice parlay. They have win totals, which you can still bet on, by the way, up until the time a team kicks off their first game this season here in a couple of days. And they have all sorts of contests if you want to challenge yourself against other bettors out there. An insane number of prop bets and so much more. So make sure to take advantage of our special promo while you can, exclusively for listeners of Glory UGA, by using the code UGA when you create your new account to double your initial deposit. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. But as for today's episode, we've talked about this game quite a bit throughout the offseason. I did a Scout in the Enemy episode back in July. I shared some of my concerns about this matchup last week. But now that game week is officially upon us, I mean, guys, it's time. Like, we can't wait any longer. It is time for our official Georgia-Oregon Week 1 game preview. Big-time matchup, guys. Borderline fringe top 10 matchup, number 3 Georgia against number 11 Oregon. And this year, we've got some big plans for these preview episodes. We're going to try something a little bit different. We've done these episodes a little bit differently over the years, try different things, but I'm kind of excited about the plans we have this year. I love doing the research and scouting out the teams on our schedule, and I will absolutely 100% continue to do that because, yeah, I love doing that. And I think I do, you know, every now and then have some insights to offer here and there. But this year, I think we're taking things up a notch. The plan is to bring on someone who actually covers our opponent each week. That's the plan. Now, finding someone willing to come on each week, 
that's the harder part because I got to do that myself. We don't have like a, a producer that like organizes all this stuff for us. That's me. I got to do that and grind and, and, and we'll make that happen. So I'm going to try my best. We'll try to make that happen every week because I want you guys to have as much information as possible heading into each game. And I think I can give you a lot of information. I can give you my thoughts, but I think it's also good to get another perspective from someone who actually covers the team. I, I think bringing guests on the show who actually do cover these teams for a living will bring you even more information and then thereby hopefully further enhance your enjoyment of each game, which is really what we're going for here with these episodes. So the plan is to open these episodes with interviews and then after that I will share my specific thoughts on the game and the matchups for that week. And this week in particular, I I really wanted to find someone from the Oregon Beat to join me today because, as I've been telling you guys all offseason, there is a lot of newness on this Oregon team, many unknown factors with this Ducks team. And I've watched tape all offseason, guys. I've watched every game from last year. But I'm sitting there watching those games in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, like, how much of this actually matters? How much of this translates to this 2022 football season, this Oregon team that we're going to be playing on Saturday with so much newness, so many changes, a new head coach, new offensive coordinator who's never actually been the primary play caller in his life, a new defensive coordinator, 11 transfers coming in, a lot of guys leaving the program. Some of the players are still there, but schematically there's not a lot, if any, carryover really. So I thought it was important to get somebody on here that can maybe start to answer some of those questions for us. So with that in mind, Let's go ahead and bring in our very first guest of the 2022 season, Rob Mosley, the editor of GoDucks.com, is joining us today. Rob, it is great to have someone who knows the Oregon roster inside and out, certainly better than I do, on the show with me today. So I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. Yeah, happy to talk to you. Looking forward to the game. It's a, uh, it's a uh, good. Yeah, it's gonna, good. I think it's gonna be a, a lot better game. I know the spreads what 17, 17 and a half, depending on where you look, but uh. I don't know, man. Even a Georgia family, I don't know how I feel about that one. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. But we have time to talk about that for sure. But uh, I do want to start on the offensive side of the ball here for the Ducks because I believe, you know, just as an outsider looking in, I think this is where a lot of the intrigue is for Oregon coming into this game. Uh, you look at Dan Lanning, who we know is a defensive guy, but he brings in Kenny Dillingham, who he knows back from his Memphis days, brings him in to serve as the offensive quarter and also call plays for Oregon. And I think one of the interesting things about this offense, and Kenny Dillingham in particular, he's a guy who has been with some big-name play callers, been in some big schools, but he's never been like the primary play caller, working with guys like Gus Malzahn and obviously Mike Norvell at both Memphis and Florida State. But we do know, again, he's fought, we know where he's been. We know the guys that he's kind of been an apprentice under. So I think one of my biggest questions about this Oregon offense is, what exactly is it going to look like? And I know that no one really knows but based off, you know, what you've been able to glean, what you've been hearing coming out of Oregon's camp this this fall, what should we kind of expect this Oregon offense to look like, maybe schematically, philosophically? What do we what, should, what do you expect on Saturday? Well, I think from Oregon's perspective, there's been a lot of excitement, particularly from like the receiver and tight ends group, about things maybe opening up a little bit compared to the last few years. I think you know this, you know, and and I think a lot of members of this fan base. Uh, would agree that, that that'd be something worth looking forward to. And I mean, this, this program obviously was known for, for offense and, and lighting up the scoreboard, you know, when, when Chip Kelly was the head coach here, um, you know, a, a decade or so ago now. Um, and, you know, the last few years under Mario Cristobal had a little bit more of a conservative approach offensively. I mean, yeah, the last few years when Mario Cristobal was the head coach, you know, he really wanted uh, this program to be known for physicality. Um, and I think that was reflected in, in offensive style, um, you know, really, you know, uh, pounding it out in the run game, um, you know, maybe not taking as many deep shots down the field in the passing game, kind of a controlled passing offense. Um, you know, these are all kind of overgeneralizations, but because uh, there certainly were some times where we're going to take shots down the field. But, uh, you know, just generally speaking, you know, I think if it, if the Ducks needed two, three yards on a third down, um, you know, Mario Cristobal wanted to wanted to prove that his team was physical enough to get that run in between the tackles. And, and so philosophically, that kind of just was where the offense went. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, for a fan base that's been used to, to more wide open offense, more high scoring offense, um, there's some excitement that that maybe with 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 Kenny Dillingham um, uh, designing a scheme and, and calling plays that things will be a little more uh, wide open. And then, 
the receivers and tight end groups obviously are excited about that prospect and have all said they 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 hope and expect to see the ball in the air a little bit more uh, yeah, I imagine. uh this year too so uh so yeah i mean i think that's you know it's it's uh that's where things are trending i think in terms of just the preseason talk about about what to potentially expect from the ducks on offense this year yeah, and I think that that kind of checks out when you, again, consider working for Mike Norvell, Gus Malazan. I think it's going to be a blend of those kind of offenses. I think that all kind of kind of fits with what we'll probably see on Saturday. Now, when you talk about the offense, you can't talk offensive football without talking about the quarterback position. Now, I know you're kind of in a, in a unique position. You, you work for the university, so obviously you can't give us any insights into what the quarterback battle is and sh- how it's going to shape up and who's going to be the guy trotting out there first on Saturday. But for Georgia fans who might not be as familiar with some of the other guys, obviously Georgia fans are very familiar with Bo Nix. I've been played in each of the last three years. But you also have Ty Thompson, a youngster who's a, who's a former highly rated guy coming out of high school, and there's a lot of excitement around the Oregon program about him. Jay Butterfield's a guy that I've also heard some good things about throughout you know spring practice in the fall camp as well. So if you're looking at those three quarterbacks, what do each of those guys bring to the table if any of them happens to be the guy that, that starts the game on Saturday? Yeah, well, I mean, I think obviously there's a lot of folks out there just kind of assuming since Bo Nix got here that he was going to be in the guy, be the guy, and and you know I'm I'm not naive. I, you know, I certainly understand why that's that's a, an easy assumption to make. I mean, he's just got so much experience, um, and, and that provides such an edge for him over the other two guys. Um, you know, there's there, there's nothing. You know, there, you can't put a price on the level of uh, on on game experience for any player, and just what you're able to glean from that, and how much you're able to improve based on that. Um, and so, just all you know, all the experience he's got playing in big games um, certainly, you know, separates him from the other two. Um, but as you mentioned, I mean, these, these were a couple of highly regarded you know, recruits who've kind of bided their time around here. Um, you know, and I think that you know when you're trying to establish yourself as a leader. Uh, on a team, you know, that carries some weight too. And, you know, Ty Thompson, you know, uh, is a guy with a huge arm, really mobile guy, um, you know, really carries himself with, 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 with uh, some confidence. Um, and, and Jay Butterfield's a guy who maybe not quite as mobile, but just a really accurate passer. And, and, you know, you talk about, you talk about a skill, the skills you're looking for on a quarterback, um, putting the ball where you want it to go, um, you know, is probably number one in, in most people's books. So, um, you know, each of those guys has things they do um, that kind of separate them so, them from the other two. Um, again, you know, I, I, I certainly understand the folks who look at this race and say, hey, one guy's just played a ton of college football and, and that's that's going to be a difference maker. I certainly understand folks making that assumption. Oregon is not uh, making any announcements along those lines. And so, um, you know, we'll ultimately we'll find out for certain uh, when, when the, the Ducks take over with the ball for the first time on Saturday. Yeah, I know Dan Lanning comes from the the, the old Nick Saban, Kirby Smart tree of being as secretive as possible when it comes to these kind of things. So I fully expect no news until we see like the offense actually trying out there for their first series on Saturday. But I think it's an intriguing battle. I know you're right. Everyone's assuming Bo Nix, and, and he's a highly, highly gifted guy. I mean, in terms of physical gifts, I mean, that guy's got the tools. But I know Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield, I know Oregon fans will be about them as well. So I'm very intrigued to see who actually trots out there with the number one offense. Now, when you talk about the quarterback play, and you mentioned earlier the tight ends and the wide receivers are excited about the potential maybe seeing a few more targets this year with the new offensive system coming in here. So who are those top threats outside the pass game and maybe a tight end as well that Oregon's going to be looking to get involved on Saturday? Yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of attrition in the receiver group um, from last year. A lot of a lot of um, a couple seniors um, that graduated. Another guy that that uh, left early, tried to take a shot at, at going in the draft. Um, and so there were the, the, so, uh, and a couple of those guys actually got injured late last season, and, and it allowed for some young guys to really get some invaluable experience and really really showed out in the bowl game. So guys like Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, Seven McGee. Um, really got a chance late last season to kind of get an early introduction into playing the the, the kind of bigger roles um, that they were going to be called upon to help play uh, on this year's team. Um, Troy Franklin's a really athletic guy with a big catch radius. Dante Thornton, you know, can run like the wind as a big frame. Um, Hudson and McGee are smaller guys, um, kind of slot guys, but who can also flex out and play outside too. Um, but, the, the numbers weren't great. And so um, the transfer portal was, was a, uh, was a help at receiver chase code is a guy who's, who's uh, dad, Chad actually was a, was a, a safety here back on the okay. 1994 Oregon team that, that went to the Rose bowl and then 
played eight years in the NFL. Um, Chase came from UCLA, right? And yeah, Chase started his career at UCLA, but then transferred here for, for his, uh, his last year this year. So that, that feels a little bit fitting to have him here. Um, You know, and he's a, he's a, you know, both him and bone and Nick's, you know, when they got here, it just, you could, you could tell again, you know, that, that experience, you know, it's invaluable and you could just tell the way they carry themselves. Um, the confidence they play with, um, you know, it, it really shows. And, and I think they both were in tough spots where you're coming into positions where there are some young guys who um, have kind of been biding their time, waiting, waiting to take on bigger roles. And so that could have been a tricky thing for them to navigate. I think, you know, in both of their cases, they did a really good job of kind of indoctrinating themselves um, and, and uh, you know, entering into a competitive situation and not kind of assuming they'd be, they'd be given anything. Um, but Caleb Chapman's another guy who joined the receiver room. Uh, Texas A&M transfers, had some injuries, but yeah, a guy who can get down the field and then go, you know, win a 50-50 ball, kind of take the top off the defense. So, And then tight end, there were a couple young guys, Terrence Ferguson, Mo Mataval last year who who played as freshmen. Um, And I think, you know, this this staff's really excited to to see what they can do in this system. Uh, And then a couple of veteran guys who've been banged up, Cam McCormick, uh, one and then the other is Patrick Herbert, who's whose older brother is Justin Herbert, now the quarterback with the okay. Chargers. Um, Pat missed last season with an injury, uh, tight end, um, and has really started to show out this preseason camp. You know, was still limited throughout much of the offseason, but has has really started to look in this preseason preseason camp like the guy kind of Oregon has always hoped he would be. Um, you know, they're, they're, the Herbert's older brother, Mitch, played at uh, Montana State. Then Justin was obviously a highly decorated quarterback here, and, and, and Pat's the youngest one. And, um, you know, he's got a lot of potential, too, and, and, and he's looking like he's starting to round into form. So, yeah, you know, a lot of options at those groups. And, yeah, you know, obviously this is the time of year. Probably every program feels like, oh, we've got <laughs> yeah. so many – so many options at these this yeah. position that position. How are we what kind of, also these yeah, guys? yeah. What kind of personnel groupings are we going to yeah. use? And that's you know one of the zillion things that makes the first game so fascinating is what the staff thinks kind of the best way to deploy all these guys will be. Oh uh, yeah, that, that really is man, one hundred percent. Now, so I, I'm a I run a Georgia podcast. Obviously, I'm a Georgia fan, but I, I'm also just a fan of general college football. So I've actually watched a good bit of Oregon football over the years because I like to watch football from other regions. It's a different feel, and Oregon is obviously a premier program out west. And in watching Oregon last year, one guy that really impressed me, kind of jumped off the screen, was Travis Dyer running back. Right. He was a 1,200-yard rusher last year, almost another 400 yards in receiving. And, again, outside looking in, didn't watch every game. But what I saw, he seemed to be the most productive player on the Oregon offense last year. But he has transferred to USC. So what does the running back depth chart look like now that Dye is gone? And how productive do you expect that unit to be in his absence? Yeah, it's it's going to be tough seeing him. You know, I, obviously the the portal giveth and it taketh away. Oh, you know, yeah. getting a guy like Chase Cota from UCLA, you know, I'm sure it's going to be tough for for those fans to see him playing in the conference. And and yeah, I think for us, you know, Travis dies another guy who was kind of a legacy. His older brother Troy played linebacker here and was leading yeah. tackler all four years, and um, just a guy who really, when this program kind of bottomed out in 2016, that was Troy's freshman year, and he really helped get things back on track. Um, was on that team that went to the Rose Bowl in 2019. And, and, and Travis was continuing the legacy. And, yeah, just a really tough, hard-nosed player. Um, but, you know, they're, they're L.A. kids. And, you know, he's – you know, it sort of feels like Chase Cota came home for his last year. And, uh, you know, say, Travis did the same thing. So we can't be – you know, we can't be – That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. we got to forgive forgive those decisions because um, we're, we're benefiting from it as well as, as having right. lost him. But – um, yeah, a couple of young returning guys, Byron Cardwell, Sean Dollars. Um, Dollars is a guy, another guy who's coming off some injuries and looking to kind of reestablish himself, get his um, career back on track. But um, the, 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 the staff went out and got a couple guys from the portal, too. Noah Whittington was here in the spring. And then Marquise Irving, who goes by Bucky. Bucky Irving is a transfer from Minnesota who, who arrived over the summer and I think is a guy the staff's really, really excited about. Just, you know, the, 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 the Toughness is something they really want from their running backs. You know, C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye, who who kind of carried the load here the last four years, were certainly tough backs, and and this group uh, is being called upon to kind of embody that as well. So, um, you know, I would think we'll probably see you know three guys get get a, a, at least three, maybe four, get a pretty heavy workload um, in this first game, um, and, and I'm I'm fascinated to see again how how 
you know, is is this staff one that's going to really want one bell cow, or are they going to they going to really want to sub a lot? And I don't really have a great sense for that yet. So um, we'll find that. We'll out. find out. Yeah, yeah. A couple of days. So and obviously they're going to be running behind what I think is maybe the strength of the entire Oregon football team. And I would love to get your opinion on that. Again, outside looking in, I, I watch the Oregon offensive line. And I'm like, okay, those guys can play. They're a year older. I get returning starters. How good can that Oregon offensive line be this season? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you got to stay healthy, but the, there sure is a ton of experience. Um, and, you know, just a lot of guys who played a lot of football and some talented guys. I mean, guys like TJ Bass and, and, and Malasala Almavai Laulu. I mean, th- these are guys that could have, you know, maybe thought about leaving after last year and take, seeing if, um, what their draft prospects looked like. But they came back. Um, the, the center, Alex Forsyth, is a senior and, you know, one of, one of the real great leaders uh, on this team. A guy I think, you know, kind of universally respected. Had some back problems last year, but um, looking to put that behind him and have a good year this year. Uh, Ryan Walks played a lot of football. Stephen Jones has played a lot of football. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson is a young guy who, who played both ways um, last year, just out of need. I mean, that's kind of his passion for the game. He was happy to do that. Uh, but I think, you know, has a has a, a high ceiling potentially. And uh, Marcus Harper, a guy who who can provide some depth. Dawson Jaramillo is kind of the Swiss Army knife, can, can plug and play wherever. You know, so I really think they feel like they got eight, nine guys and maybe even a Josh Connerly who's a – a five-star prospect as, as a true freshman maybe could could provide um, some help there as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's every reason to think that's a that's a real strength of this team, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, Georgia lost a lot in the front seven from last year's team. So I think that's that's an interesting matchup. And that's one of the reasons I think this game might be closer than, than all the experts think out there. Because, I mean, football is a game of matchups. And you have the strong returning offensive line and inexperienced Georgia. Very talented, but still inexperienced Georgia front seven. I'm interested to see how that one plays out. But – when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Moving over to the defense side of the ball here for a few minutes, real quick. Uh, I, I look at this Oregon defense, and I think the front seven has a chance to be really, really good. I think, like, I think the offensive line is to strengthen maybe in tor- the entire Oregon team. I think the front seven, particularly the linebacking unit, is probably the strength of the Duck defense. So if you look at those inside linebackers, now Georgia fans, I think if you pay attention to college ball, you should know who Noah Sewell and Justin Flo are at this point. But just in case there are a few people tuning in this week, can you tell us a little bit about those two players at linebacker and what they bring to the Oregon defense? Yeah, Noah Sewell's, uh, yeah, the, I mean, Sewell and Flo are both former five-star prospects. I think, you know, as as much coverage as recruiting gets now, as much as even casual fans, you know, know of and follow recruiting. Yeah, I got to think a lot of folks listening, um, you know, if, you, yeah. if, if you're into it enough to be listening to this podcast, you're probably right. into, into, into football enough to be following recruiting and know who those and Rob, guys were. And Rob, I can were, tell you think, when Noah Sewell was coming out, I – I was in love with him. Like he yeah. was, I, I thought he was one of the greatest high school linebackers I've ever seen in my life. So I'm a huge Noah Sewell fan. I'm, I'm, I have to admit, I'm, uh, I'm upset he's in Oregon, but you guys got a good one. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and part of that is, he, you know, he's a legacy. You know, his, his brother yeah, Panay sure. Sewell um, was uh, kind of the crown jewel of Mario Cristobal's first recruiting class here when he was kind of trying to set the tone for, you know, this being a program known as much as anything for physicality um, and, and elite offensive line play. You know, that group that's here now was kind of, you know, he helped assemble it and, gr- and groom him. And Panay was part of that. And he's now right. obviously with the Detroit Lions. And, 
And uh, there was a hope that the two of them were going to be able to play together. And then the pandemic kind of spoiled that. But um, Noah did still end up coming to Oregon following Panay here. And um, just, you know, really, really an elite, elite player in the middle of that defense. Um, plays with a ton of heart, plays with a ton of energy. That whole, you know, that whole family's got kind of a warrior mentality. Um, and, you know, just just really great at, at diagnosing things, getting off blocks, getting to the ball, a sure tackler. Um, and, and then, you know, Flo, they were both five-star recruits in the same recruiting class. Flo is just one of those guys who just plays with his hair on fire all the time. I mean, the guy, you know, one of those guys, even in practice, you're having to try to say, hey, you know, same team here, bro. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's make sure we, we keep our teammates healthy. Um, but the, you know, that, that group is not just two guys. I mean, Jeff boss is a guy who came in here as a safety bulked up, moved down to linebacker at a need because of some injuries, including Justin flow last year. And I think really impressed to, you know, his teammates. And I think this staff now looking back and, and just getting to know him has an appreciation for, what he can do at that position. Jackson LaDuke was in the same class as Sewell and Flo, maybe not as heralded as a recruit, but um, a guy who has had some knee problems. But when he's healthy, he sure looks good. Uh, Keith Brown was a local kid, an in-state kid. who was another five-star prospect. So just, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a really impressive depth of talent at that group. Obviously, the Flo and Sewell are the names most people know, but, um, you know, there's depth behind them as well. So we're really – a really uh, in, uh, intriguing group there for sure. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch those guys play. And then obviously Kayvon Thibodeau, we know, is off the NFL. So who do you expect to step up in his place as the top pass rusher for Oregon this year? Yeah, I got to say one of the things that's been intriguing about this offseason is, you know, when you to lose a top five draft pick like that and a guy who was so elite, and yet it hasn't been like at the top of all the lists you see of like, you know, five questions about the Oregon football team going into the 2022 season. And um and I think that just speaks to to some of the some of the talent that's coming back too. DJ Johnson's a guy who, another guy who played both ways last year, was an edge rusher, but also a tight end, um, who's focusing on defense now. And I think there's a really um, there, there, there's there's a lot of optimism that he can be really be a guy who affects things off the edge. Braden Swenson, uh, another guy, you know, made some plays in that win at Ohio State last year, as DJ Johnson did, and then had some knee problems and that held him out, but. Uh, a guy with a bright future, Mace Funa, uh, an edge player who slimmed down this year um, and can maybe meet, provide a little more athleticism off the edge. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think to lose a, a player of Thibodeau's caliber is uh, is is daunting. But, you know, th- this program, you know, I'm, you guys are used to recruiting top 10 classes year after yeah. year after year for decades. But Chris Ball's done a great job. He did a great job there yeah, for a couple of years. He, he kind of changed the trajectory around here. And so now there's – there's a sense that, you know, I think what, you know, when you lose a five-star guy, when, you know, in the past when Oregon would lose a five-star guy, it might be another five, 10 years before you got yeah. another one, you know, now, not that every single guy on the roster is five stars, but I think there's a depth of talent um, to feel like, Hey, you can, you can weather a loss like that. And hopefully because you recruited well and developed players well over the last year or two, um, you, you can maybe weather that. Yeah. I can tell you, you got a good one in Dan Lang. So I don't think that's going to drop off anytime soon. He, he's uh He's a guy. He's a dude on the recruiting trail. And Rob, I know you got to get out of here, man. I appreciate your time. I'm going to get you out of here on this. I'm sure you're probably going to be giving out your official prediction on your own site later in the week. So I'm not going to ask you to spoil that at all. But as we mentioned at the outset of the interview, this spread's still sitting there about 17, 17 and a half points, depending on which sports book you are looking at. I've been saying all offseason to anyone who will listen, and most people aren't listening to me, I think I'm just being alarmist here, but I think that's too many points. I really, really do. So I just want you to give us an idea of how you see this game between the dogs and the ducks playing out on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 since I work for the school, I'm not in the prediction business. Cause you know, right, if I, right. if I pick us to win, I'm a homer. And if I pick us to lose, I'm a turncoat. So it's like, there's no, yep. there's no, there's just no use doing it. But yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, for me, when I look at something like that and, you know, and I'm not, you know, because I can't, I'm not a big gambler. And, and so I don't, I don't have a great sense for kind of what all plays into that, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, I do think that you, you look at a game, I keep coming back to last year at Ohio state and and obviously Oregon was an underdog in that game. And people are coming out of the word work after the fact saying, Oh no, I knew the Oregon was going to give Ohio state a game and all that. But you know, I think, yeah, yeah. I I think, um, but, but based on that as experience, I think there's enough guys back from that team that they can look each other in the eye and say, Hey, We've gone to tough environments. We've played elite program. I mean, if, if you're talking about, you know, the five 
best programs in the country over the last 10 years sustained, you know, Ohio State and Georgia are at least in the conversation, if not certainly in that top five, you know, and so we, we went on the road and we beat a program of that caliber. So there's no reason to go into this matchup thinking, having doubts, you know, I mean, obviously, right. as you say, every, every game is about matchups and, and, and every, every two teams matches up different. Um, but you know, they should, Oregon's guys should at least be able to look each other in the eye and say, yeah, we, we don't have to get caught up in that. We don't have to pay attention to that because we've, we've kind of been in this situation before where there were some doubts about us in going into a matchup like this and we took care of business. So let's go in there, let's do our jobs and know that, you know, if, if, if you do your job and take care of business and maybe some breaks go your way, things are going to, you know, things can go your way. History shows. So. Um, you know, I think these guys are, you know, they're having to block out some of that noise um, because, you know, there's no avoiding it anymore. But I think, you know, in some ways they're probably going to let it fuel them too and, and be reassured that, you know, you've answered the bell uh, in that situation before. So as long as you kind of prepare correctly and execute the way you should, you, you can answer it again. Yeah, that's that's you know, and I, I, I can't really find any fault in that. You know, I think I think Oregon is going to come to play. I think Oregon is a very talented team, more talented. I think maybe your average Georgia fan realizes. And Dan Lanning, obviously, there's the familiarity there. We'll see how that plays out. So I think this sets up to be a really intriguing game. And I just, I'm still kind of just shocked the point spread is what it is. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't set the lines. I'm not a guy in Vegas, but I just, when I saw that, I thought it would for sure come down and it hasn't. So I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know how to feel yeah. about that. But it's going to be a lot of fun regardless. Yep. Yeah. And hey, you know what? They, they'll, they'll kick the ball in the air and then we'll all find out whether it had yep. merit or not. That's right. We'll see what happens. But hey, man, Rob, I really appreciate taking the time to join me today, man. You take care. Absolutely. Enjoy the game. All right, man. You too. All right, guys. Before we move on, I do just want to quickly remind you about our good friends at Alumni Hall. The countdown to kickoff, guys, it is ticking further and further down. We've only got a couple of days left before our 15% off exclusive promo for the Glory UJ listeners expires. So if you've been putting it off, go ahead, do yourself a favor, and Act now. Go to alumnihall.com right now. If you can, if you're in the Athens area, come by the shop in the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens and get your last second Georgia game day gear. And again, all you have to do is use the promo code GLORYUGA, all caps, to get 15% off your entire purchase. Alumni Hall has every single thing a Georgia fan could ever possibly dream of, and it is truly where the Bulldogs go to shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys. So that was Rob Mullins from goducks.com. As you can tell, he definitely knows this stuff. He knows this team inside and out. He actually works for the University of Oregon. So I thought he would be the best guy to bring on here today to get you guys ready for this matchup against Oregon here in a couple of days in Atlanta. And he did a fantastic job breaking everything down, but I did want to share a couple of thoughts on my own here before I get out of here today. And here's what I want to say, guys. I do, as I've been saying for a couple of months now, I do have more concerns about this game against Oregon than I believe your average Georgia fan does, than many of you out there do. And I think when some of you and many other Georgia fans hear me say that, obviously coming off the national championship high, they just roll their eyes and dismiss me as an alarmist. And maybe some of you are doing that right now. And that's fair. I get that. And if that's you, that's fine. I get. I totally understand that. But just hear me out here. I promise you, I am not trying to be an alarmist. It brings me no pleasure whatsoever to have stress going into week one. I do not like that feeling. I guess it's exciting to a degree, but I'd rather not be stressed. I wish I went to this game feeling like we were just going to blow them out. In fact, last year, I told you guys it was the opposite. 
I wasn't an alarmist going into the week one matchup against Clemson. I told you guys all offseason that we were going to beat Clemson. I was very, very confident in that. I felt we would actually beat them more than 10 to 3. I didn't think it would play out the way that it did, but I felt very strongly that we had a better team and we had more talent. And obviously it played out in that game. And of course it played out that way the rest of the season in a route to a national title. So no, this is not something that I make a habit of doing. I just try to be as honest with you guys as I possibly can. I want to give you my true 100% unfiltered objective opinion. And that happens to be when it comes to this game, a little bit of a, of a concerned feeling going into this matchup. Now, certainly, I I am a child of Larry Munson. I grew up listening to Larry going to all my football games. So there's certainly a little bit of that built into me. And I don't know if I'll ever get rid of that. I mentioned that last week. And there's some Vince Dooley in there as well. So that's just part of like the Georgia fan ethos. And I'm trying to come out of that. I'm in recovery, but I don't know if I can ever quite shake the habit entirely. So it's fair to say there's certainly some of that involved here. But again, I'm trying to be as objective as I possibly can. But I would just ask that you hear me out here. Listen to what I am saying versus what I am not saying. I am not saying that Oregon is the better team. They are not. I am not saying that Oregon is the more talented team. They certainly are not. I am not saying that Oregon should win this game or that Oregon will win this game. I'm not saying any of those things. We are the more talented team by a pretty good margin. If you line up the rosters 1 through 85 with scholarship players, they don't match up. They're as Rob said, they are more talented I think than the average Georgia fan wants to give them credit for because Mario Cristobal over the past 3-4 years has done a really good job of loading up that roster with a lot of four stars. They don't have as many five stars as we do, but they have a a large quantity of of high quality good four-star players on that roster. But that's still not the level of player that we have on our roster. They they do have really good players in spots, elite players in spots in, in some cases, guys like Noah Sewell. But they just don't have the quantity of talent, of high-level talent that we have. I'll just give you some quick numbers here to back this up. So if you follow recruiting as closely as I do, which I know most of you out there do, over the past four years, the, the four recruiting classes that are on campus right now, I guess you technically say five, I guess, with, with guys who stayed for a fifth year. But of the four most recent recruiting, recruiting classes, we have finished on average with the 2.5 ranked class in the country compared to Oregon finishing with an average of a class rank 9.5. So fringe top 10 right there over the last four cycles. So to kind of put that into perspective for you, give you a little comparison, a reference here, Oregon has recruited essentially on par with Michigan over the past four years. Michigan has recruited over the last four cycles an average class ranked 9.75. So Oregon is right there in that Michigan area. Again, very talented teams, talented than just about every team out there, but not one of the three or four most talented teams in the country, not one of the big boy recruiting powers, I would say. And if you take that comparison, you take that reference, I mean, that's a Michigan team that we did just pants 34 to 11 back in December in the Orange Bowl, and that game could have been a lot worse, a lot more lopsided than it actually was. So yeah, by that measure, if you use Michigan as the the measuring stick, which I think is fair based on recruiting rankings, by that measure, yeah, that the 17 point spread it kind of checks out, right? So I get that, I understand all that. We are the more talented team, we are the better team, we should win this game. But being the more talented team, being the better team, should winning games doesn't always equate to actually winning the games. More often than not, it certainly does. Overwhelmingly, more often than not, it does. But it doesn't always work out that way. So there's there's that, right? There's a little bit of concern built in there. But here's what I am saying about Oregon's team and Oregon's talent. I believe that there is a minimum threshold of talent that a team has to possess in order to knock off one of the true big boys, the elite teams in college football, which after last year, I think clearly we are in that group. We are in that elite group. So like, for example, Missouri, they're not going to be Georgia. They're not going to be Alabama. Essentially, no matter how bad Georgia or Alabama play, because Missouri, in my opinion, does not meet that minimum threshold of talent. Northwestern is not ever going to beat Ohio State, no matter how poorly Ohio State plays, because they don't meet that minimum threshold of talent. Duke is not going to beat Clemson, no matter how poorly Clemson plays, because Duke just simply does not meet that minimum threshold of talent. Oregon, on the other hand, well, I think they clearly passed that threshold of talent. I mean, this is the top 10 recruiting team over the past four or five years. I mean, that's just evidenced by what they did against Ohio State in the horseshoe last year, right? It's not like it's entirely unprecedented that this Oregon program can go into a tough environment, which 
obviously playing Georgia in Atlanta, neutral site, I guess, in name only, but they can go into environments. They've proved this last year, guys. They can go into those kind of environments as an overwhelming underdog and come out the winner. They weren't better than Ohio State last year. They really weren't. They, they weren't more talented than Ohio State, but man, they, they went into Ohio State, into the horseshoe, and found a way to win that football game. And Ohio State was, in my opinion, one of the five best teams in the country last year. So don't sit here and tell me that there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to be concerned about this game. There's no way that this Oregon team could give Georgia a scare. I, I absolutely think that is a possibility. I know it's a different Oregon team, a different Oregon coaches staff. I understand all of that. But we've seen evidence of this as recently as last year, guys. They have the talent to get it done if a team like Georgia, who does have more talent, who is the better team, does not come in and play up to their standard. And to me, that that is reason, and maybe concern is not the right word, but I think the word I've used all offseason long is unsettled, right? That's a reason to have me kind of just have this little bit of an unsettled feeling in the pit of my stomach going into this game. But again, like saying that, like we're going to have to help them to win this football game. Like we're going to have to play below our standard. Um, it, it could be young guys having a bunch of bust on defense. If Stetson makes some poor decisions, which I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but it, it could. Um, if guys are committing really undisciplined penalties or turning the ball over, missing field goals, stalling out in the red zone, those kind of things. Like, yeah, I mean, that's when you can open the door for a team like Oregon to step through and try to win the football game. And again, I think they have enough talent to step through that door. Not every team has enough talent to step through that door and take advantage of all the mistakes that we would make if we're playing below our standard. We can still find a way to get out of, of the game with a win. Against Oregon, they're talented enough to where I don't necessarily know that's the case. So yes, I do think they have that minimum threshold of talent, but I will agree. I, w- I will admit that that in itself is not enough. Um, what concerns me more, and this is what I was saying last week on the show, but just kind of reiterate for some of you who might not have heard that. It's it's not so much the talent. Yeah, we are more talented. It's it's more the situation and context of this game because you know Rob was kind of alluding to this. I mean, he was exactly right. Oregon, I don't think is going to be intimidated coming to this game. They're not going to be scared. They're going to come in here, and I think they're going to be on fire. They're going to come to play. I think they're going to, I fully anticipate they're going to have the, like, the us against the world mentality. Because then they, like Rob said, they've been in that situation last year at Ohio State. They want to shock the world. They see this as an opportunity. Get a new staff. They're going to be fired up for that. They're going to be highly motivated. Dan Landing is a great motivator, just like Kirby Smart is. They're going to be highly, highly motivated. They will be ready to play. And we need to be ready to play as well. If we are, we should be fine. But there's just no guarantee. I don't know. Is this the game one deal, like it being the first game of the year? Like if we played Oregon week 10 at a neutral site, like I would I would honestly have no worries. I'd, I'd feel like our defense, all those young guys, they, they'd be up to speed and they, they've adjusted and, and they would feel comfortable. They're not, they're not rookies anymore. They're not young guys anymore, right? They're experienced. They're vets now. But that's not the case in week one. And there's just some questions that I think that I, I need to see us answer, especially on the defense side of the ball. I think we have the answers. I just need to see them. And that inexperience on defense, uh, it, it's concerning to me for this reason. When you're going against an offense with a play caller who's never been a primary play caller in his life and Kenny Dillingham, that means there's no tape to study. And that was what was really hard for me prepping for this for this game. Is like, yeah, I can watch their offense. I can look at some of the players that kind of carry over. Guys like Chris Hudson that Rob mentioned at receiver, I think is going to be a really good player for them in the slot. And Byron Cardwell at times at running back, you know, Travis Dye was the guy for them primarily, but Cardwell got some carries and he looked good in doing that. So you can look at some of those, some of the personnel coming back, the offensive line, but in terms of, of keys and tendencies, down and distant for, formation, personnel groupings, I, I have no clue. Like watching the tape was worthless. And I don't know what our, our staff is going to go watch, you know, a Florida State tape with Mike Norvell, Memphis tape, and watch some Auburn tape and try to get an idea. But the fact is when you get between the lines on Saturday, like, we don't really know. We're going to find out, and we don't, but we don't really know. And that what that does, it makes it more about execution and adjusting on the fly. We just have to be able to execute our, our defense and adjust on the fly. And I would feel a lot better about that if we had the experience we had last year. And if we, but we, had, we don't have that. We have all these young and experienced players on defense. And my question is, are they ready, game one, to execute at that high of a level and adjust on the fly to what they are seeing. They don't have the muscle memory against all those different kind of formations and plays. They just don't have it as much as the guys we had last year. So I have questions about that. Are they going to be ready? Maybe. And if they are, then lights out. We're going to win this game and be pretty comfortable. But if not, the game could be closer than I think a lot of Georgia fans 
anticipate and obviously closer than any of us want it to be. There's just so many new faces and schemes. It's hard for coaches to game plan advantageous matchups when there are so many new faces, so many questions about the scheme offensively and defensively. We have a better idea, obviously, defensively, but you know, Lenny brought in a, a different guy to run, the, to run their defense, and there's going to be some some different twists kind of thrown in there. So, I don't know. It's just um, some things that kind of leave me a little bit unsettled. Now, saying that, I do like our coaching staff versus theirs. I, I'm a big believer in Dan Lanning. I think he's going to be a fantastic head coach, but he's a rookie head coach in game one. Now, the, the familiarity aspect, of course, that that's intriguing, and we'll see how that plays out. But you know, he might be familiar with us. We're also familiar with him and what he likes to do. I mean, Kirby even said in his press conference earlier this week, we've been going back and watching tape of our own defense and trying to identify some of Lanning's play calling tendencies. So there's some familiarity both ways. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I think that's going to be a good staff and Lanning's going to do a great job there. But I mean, I love our guys. I mean, I love Todd Monk. I love our offensive staff and how Monk is able to game plan and find matchups. Uh, and, you know, obviously there were a lot of their defenses coming back and we have a feel for what their defense is going to be like. So I think we can maybe find more matchups that way than maybe what we can, can offensively, at least early on, and how to attack that offense and how to prepare for that offense. I love Glenn Schutman. I love Will Muschamp. I love Trey Scott. I love all those guys on defense. I think we have the better coaching staff. I think we have the more experienced coaching staff. We have a coaching staff that's got more continuity and cohesiveness to it than the Oregon staff. So I, that's advantage Georgia there. And in talking about quarterback, I, I know that, you know, Rob is not going to give out any information on who that starting quarterback is going to be, even if he knows. I mean, that's just not going to happen. But, it, you know, Kirby said in his press conference, like, he knows who the quarterback's going to be. He didn't say who he thinks it's going to be, but he says he knows. And I, I think I have a pretty good idea, too. I think it's going to be Bo Nix. You know, Bo Nix goes back to, to his early, early days at Auburn with Kenny Dillingham. He's the offense coordinator and quarterback coach there. I think it was his freshman year. So, you know, I, I like the thing it's going to be Bo Nix, and you guys know how I feel about him. He does present a challenge with his legs. I think he is uber talented from a physical standpoint. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think he's got like Johnny Menzel-esque ability with his legs. I mean, physically, the dude is gifted. He's got the tools, but he's like one of the most physically gifted players I've ever seen to not actually be consistently good at football. And it's just weird, man. And maybe it was the offense. We'll find out. Maybe it's the offense at Auburn and having different coordinators and, and Gus Malzahn just kind of weighing him down. The last year was a disaster. I don't know. We'll see. But all I know is what I've seen for three years from Bo Nix. And that's a pretty large sample size. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's sub 60% for his career over three seasons and sub seven yards per attempt over those same three seasons. He has not been good. He just has not. The talent's there, the skill set's there, but he hasn't been good. Does the light go off this year or go on this year? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's possible because he's a talented guy, a new system, maybe he needs a, a new a new setting, uh, a fresh set of eyes on him there, a new coaching staff, it's a new situation. Sure, all those things could help, but I still have to believe he's kind of Bo Nick. So that gives me a little bit of confidence heading into this game. And Here's what I'll say about their defense. I mentioned I think their front seven is the strength of their defense. I do think they're going to make it difficult for us to run against them. And I think you might see us go to the air more by design in this game. Todd Munkin likes to throw the football, guys. I know last year it didn't seem that way. You know, once we got into the heart of the season with Stetson at quarterback, we we just adjusted our offense to fit his skill set. But now with the full offseason under his belt and have all those reps in one offense, I think we have more. And, and it wasn't just Stetson last year, guys. I know we want to put it all in Stetson. We had to adjust the offense to Stetson because he's not a good passer. And like, I don't really think that's the case. A lot of it was we didn't have guys at receiver. Like We weren't healthy at receiver. Remember that game against Auburn last year, guys? I mean, we had like two healthy receivers, essentially. We had AD and Ladd. And that was pretty much it. And guys who were like actually fully 100% healthy to go. And that just makes it hard to just throw the ball all over the field. So this year, with more guys healthy and more guys experienced and more tight ends in the fold here, tight ends all over the field, I th- I do think you're going to see us throw the ball more. If you look at Todd Monk and everywhere he's been in his career, he's thrown the ball to win. He even said that in his press conference a couple weeks ago. He wants to throw the ball. He, like, he likes doing that. He, think, he thinks it's crazy people in, in the Georgia fan base don't understand that. And I, I get why we wouldn't like most Georgia fans wouldn't think that because they've watched the games, right? But if he has the pieces to work with it, Munkin's going to do that. He's just also a guy who wants to fit his offense to the talent he has on hand. I think he did a really good job of that last year and also in 2020 as well. This year, though, I think we have more talent in the passing game. And I think you might see us go more to the air in general. And I think that might be part of the game plan going in here. I certainly would not be opposed to that. Because again, you think about the front seven, you got guys like Noah Sewell and Justin Flo at linebacker. You have a good, strong defensive front. And they're going to be loaded up to stop the run. They're going to be. They're going to be keying that. 
And if you look at their secondary, I think that's where they have most of the questions on this defense. Dante Manning is a former five-star guy. He's never really been the guy for them. We recruited him pretty heavily a couple years back. He's finally getting his chance to be a starter. And uh, there's high expectations for him. But outside of that, I mean, they're losing both their cornerbacks. They're not great at safety. And I think if we can force them to defend our tight ends and their base defense personnel, then that's an advantage Georgia. Because like if we if they want to operate out of nickel, like their nickel package against our 12 and 13 personnel, well, we can run the ball. Now, I think we can, if we keep grinding and keep wearing them down, we can have some success with the ball, even against their base defense. But if they want to operate at the nickel against our 12 and 13 personnel against guys like, you know, we have sets with Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers or Darnell and Arik or Arik and, and Brock and throwing Oscar Delp in there, that's advantage Georgia because we can we can certainly throw the ball with that athleticism at tight end against their, against their uh, even against their nickel package. And then we can certainly run the ball against those looks. I think with a, a much better offensive line than we were last year, I really am excited about what Kenny McIntosh can bring to the table and Kendall Milton seems back that he's back healthy. So I think we'll be able to run the ball against those looks. So I do think you'll see us go with a lot of 12 personnel to open the game and try to throw out of those looks and just throw the ball more in general because I think that's where Oregon's more vulnerable defensively. So again, I'm not telling you guys to freak out. I'm not telling you that we are going to lose. I'm just telling you guys to be ready for a fight because Oregon is going to bring it and they do have that minimum threshold of talent to find a way to sneak through that door and beat us if we open the door and allow them to and we don't execute and we don't play to our standard. So I'll leave you guys with that today. Charlie and I will be back later this week with our official week one picks of the week and on that episode we will give our official picks here for this game both straight up and against the spread. And we're going to do our picks of the week a little bit differently this year. So we're excited about that. We're going to have some fun with it. My bookie is going to be a big part of that. We're going to be using all of their lines. And of course, we'll uh, we'll be telling you guys which picks we're actually going to be making and what we're going to be putting our money on. See if we can help you guys find a way to win some money this college football season. And I keep forgetting. So while it's on my mind right now, I meant to mention this in the first episode of the week, but I forgot. But while it's on my mind, let me go ahead and remind you guys that we are, by popular demand, bringing back our Glory UGA Pick'em League, our college football Pick'em League. It's a confidence pick pool, which I think is a lot of fun. Charlie hates it, but she's going to be on there again. And uh, if you want to join that, it's totally 100% free. We just want to give everyone a chance to have some fun. So if you're interested in picking some college football games, just want to have some fun this season, you can obviously join us, invite friends, family, and we'll have a great time with that. To join that, just go ahead and follow us on Twitter if you're not already. It's at Glory underscore UGA up there at the top. I'm going to have pinned to the top of my profile a link for you guys to click and you can just join our group it's the glory uga group put your name in there and make your picks each and every week and we'll have a lot of fun with that throughout the season but thank you once again for being here guys we are going to have some more content for you guys later this week so make sure to check back with us then thank you again to rob mosley for jumping on here and giving us a lot of insight into this oregon football team but i'm tyler and as always go dogs